You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. All right, we're going to dive in. We're, we're closing off our, our short giving series for this year, um, and we're going to wrap it up today. We're going to wrap it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, hopefully that sounds familiar, because that's what I preached on last week. And if you're thinking, oh, he's just using the same notes, yeah. If you have to preach two weeks in a row, you would too, come on. No, actually, I, I have a specific plan um, that last week I focused our uh, exploration into 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and focused it on the church, uh, how, how we as a church can be generous and are being generous and the difference that's making. Uh, but today, I want to take a little more introspective look. How are you being generous? How, how can you be more generous? And what impact does that make, both in your life and the lives of others? Uh, so that's what we're going to be diving in today, and we're going to be looking at that. And we're going to pray again, but this time, uh, because it's an introspective sermon, what I would like uh, is to take a little bit of time and have all of you pray. And, and, and for this moment, like we're about to dive into this passage, ask God, ask the Spirit to move in your life and, and to speak to you this morning. Ask Him to help you listen and hear what He wants you to hear. And I'm going to be doing the same. And then I'll close us uh, together, okay? So let's take a minute and, and offer that up to God. God, this time is yours. We give it over to you. Um, we give ourselves over to you. I pray that uh, you can open up our hearts and our ears to hear your word, but God, more importantly, even than that, that uh, we don't just listen, but we do. We act. Um, that we become doers of the words, the word that you give us, and not just hearers. Thank you for this morning and opportunity to come before you. This is your time. We give it over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So as I said, we're going to open up and we're going to look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're not going to go through the whole thing because I did that last week. But we are going to look at a few portions and again, looking inwardly as how it impacts each and every one of us. So we're going to start off in verse 7 and read through verse 9. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. All right, so as I mentioned last week, this is not a a condition that you have to meet before you give. This is a double command. God is, or Paul is not telling the Corinthians to only give when they feel like it's, it's something that they're excited to do. He's not saying only give then. No, he's saying give, give and be generous as God has called you to be generous, but do it joyfully, do it cheerfully, do it with a good heart. And, and uh, he backs that up. In verse nine, he, he opens up this 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 verse that he steals from the psalmist written in Psalm chapter 112. And he's looking at Psalm 112 and he's using this as an example of someone that follows God's word cheerfully. And if you look at Psalm 112, that, that's what he unpacks. The psalmist is writing about a man that follows God's words and, and lives according to his law. But he doesn't just do that. He does it cheerfully. He does it joyfully, knowing that this is what God is calling him to do. 
And so that's, that's the attitude that this, this man in Psalm 112 is portraying. And that's the attitude that Paul wants them, the Corinthians, to take personally and say, hey, I love that you're being generous. I love that you have this, this idea that you want to give, but do it cheerfully. Don't, don't do it out of compulsion or, or feeling like this is something like some kind of duty that you have to do. No, no, do it out of the goodness of your heart, knowing that God has provided for you. And that's kind of the key. And where I want to focus most of today is talking about that. What, what happens in between these two verses, Paul is telling the Corinthians, give and do it cheerfully. And I think some of us and probably many of them were like, okay, but that's not exactly easy. I don't like to do this. Like, I get that it's something that I should do, but I don't always feel like that's something I want to do. So how do I do that? How do I go about that? And I shared a little bit last week about how, how we have to remember why we're doing it in the first place. But Paul goes even further. Uh, and, and in between those verses where he's saying, give cheerfully, and he's giving the example of, in Psalm 112 of someone who does, in between that he says in, in verse 8 that God is providing everything that they need. I want to read it again, verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will bound in every good work. He says all a lot of times there. He wants to convey this message that God's going to provide for you. God has been providing for you. And you see, this is, this is Paul's perspective that if we want to be like Paul and like the, the man written in Psalm 112, 112 to be cheerful, to do these things, to do what God has called us to do, to give, to be generous. And if we want to do that cheerfully, we have to have the same perspective that they have. Uh, and I think it's important before we dive into to Paul's perspective to remember who Paul is, what Paul has gone through. Sometimes it's easy to look at the Bible and just hear the words and, you know, yeah, it's, it's the living word, God speaking to us. And it's easy to see things like God's providing all that you need, but sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes we don't feel like everything is being met. Everything that we desire is being met. Everything that we need is being met. Sometimes we feel alone and God is not with us. There are moments in our lives like that. And so it's easy for us to read those words and just be like, all right, sure. That's just some Christian thing to say. That's just, yeah, God, oh, yeah, cool. But let's remember who wrote this. The words are written down by a man who had nothing, who had given up Everything, Paul had, had sacrificed his entire life for the gospel of Christ. And I, I unpacked this a few weeks ago when I was talking about Paul and, and just what he does, like how his life looks and his motivation for ministry. And it's not found in his circumstances for sure because he's given up all his relationships. In fact, the people that he's closest with, as soon as he feels they're ready to go, he sends them away from him. So it's not a, that connection that he, he's relying upon and thinking God's good and he's providing for me. No, it's not because of that. It's not because he has a lot of money. Every, bit, every ounce of money he makes, he gives back to the mission of, of Christ. He provides, he takes only what he needs. It's not, it's not his family relationships. He had sacrificed all of that as well for the mission of Christ. He continues to... to set aside everything. And in fact, on top of that, not only having no, no good things, on top of that, he's got a lot of bad things he could be complaining about right now. The fact that he's been imprisoned a bunch of times, he's been beaten, and he's been uh, whipped and flogged and stoned to death. 
Yeah, stoned to death, and yet he's still writing these words. He's been shipwrecked three times. He's been bitten by a snake. I mean, I, yeah, I was after the shipwreck. He's like, finally makes it onto the land, and he's like, ooh, finally. And then he gets bitten by a poisonous snake. Like, I think that's a pretty clear message. All of us would be like, hey, God doesn't like you, man. Look at all this stuff. But yet, this is the man that's writing these words. This is the man that's saying, God's provided all that I need. How does Paul still have this attitude? And I love that him and David, David and Paul go through just about the most suffering that you can find, with the exception of maybe Job, Jesus. But yet they're the two people that write rejoice in the Bible more than anyone else. So how do they do that? How are they being generous and doing it cheerfully? How can they look at the world around them, even when it's not showing signs of, hey, God loves me, and yet still be able to like, I know God loves me, he's providing for me, and I'm going to be generous out of it. I'm going to be joyful and cheerful. Like, how awesome is that? And how do we be like them? Well, it starts with this perspective that Paul has. Uh, he, he unpacks this in verses 10 through 15, the, the same thing that he was saying in verse 9. And what I have for you today is, I, I don't want to read through it because I read through it last week, but I, I have an illustration to explain it. And it's this. I'm really proud of this, by the way. It was very hard. ProPresenter does not make it easy to put arrows, so I had to draw these things. So they look kind of like sad and not that good, but I'm very proud of them, all right? I worked hard. It starts with God. And this is the key point, that the way we look at our lives and the relationships that we have, and I'm I'm speaking out of personal experience. Maybe you're better than me. But I'm speaking out of personal experience that I have a tendency to look at my life, look around me at the relationships that I've had, the money that I make, the, the life that I live, the things that I have in my life that I've bought with the money that I've earned, as mine. It's all mine. I've earned this. I deserve this. The relationships that I have with people, I've worked hard to be a good friend and, and develop those relationships. I, I've, I've earned the right to call this person my friend, and this relationship is mine. I, I've earned the money that I make, right? Right, Thad? <laughs> that was encouraging. Yeah. Um, I earn it, right? I work hard. So it's mine. And I'm allowed to buy what I want, and those things are mine too. It's mine. It's mine. It's my kingdom. And it's real easy to, to have that attitude and perspective because that's the way the world thinks. Why wouldn't you? It makes sense, but if that's the perspective you have, it's going to be hard to do things like tithe and give and be generous because it's your kingdom. You'll see it as as opposing ideas, like this is my kingdom. I want to build up my kingdom for myself. And so when God's saying, hey, give back to me, you're like, I I don't know. I don't know about that. I kind of want it all for my kingdom. But you see the perspective that Paul has and the man that is the blessed man written about in Psalm 112, David, is they recognize that this isn't their kingdom, it's God's kingdom. That the relationships that they have aren't, aren't for them, aren't something that they earn or deserve. The money that they have, the, the blessings in their life, the things, the material possessions that they've built up, all of those things, they're not, they're not theirs. It's God's kingdom 
that they have the responsibility to tend. That in their life, Paul is looking at his relationships with his people. That's why he's constantly sending out. He grows close to Timothy, Saul, or Silas. He is Saul. He grows close to these people and, and then sends them away from him. Because he's recognizing that it's not his responsibility to take them and keep them for his own. It's God's kingdom, and his job is to tend these people to raise them up so that they can go and do more work for God because it's God's kingdom. He looks at his life from that perspective that it comes God first. Everything around him, all the stuff, the, every step that he takes and every breath that's in his body, it's all because of God. It's God's provision for him, and it's his responsibility to tend that, to care for that, to uplift it and build it up, not for himself, but for God. That's his perspective. So when God says, give back to me, he says, I'll give you everything. You've given me everything. I'm going to give back to you everything because it's all yours. The only thing I'm asking for, God, this is what Paul wants, is that you help me do that. Help me tend what you've given me. Help me work in the kingdom around me that you've provided for me so that I can uplift everyone, so that I can make a difference and do what I can with what you've provided. This is a perspective that I believe Paul has. This is a perspective that Paul has, and this is why he's able, when, it comes, when push comes to shove and he has to give back to God and he gives everything he has, he can do it cheerfully, joyfully, because it's not his. It's not for him. It's for God. It's God's kingdom. He recognizes this. So it starts with God. That's the first and most important step. And if we don't have that perspective, if you don't have that, then going forward, this is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard and you're not going to do it cheerfully. If you want to have that perspective or if you want to do these things cheerfully, if you want to be generous like Paul is and, and have that joy that David and Paul personify, you have to understand this first, that it's God, God providing. The things in your life, everything around you, it's God's provision. That's where we start. And let me just say, this is why it's so important that we tithe. This is why it's so important that we tithe and give back to God. Because we're accepting in that moment that our money is not ours. It's been provided, for, provided to us by God. And the first 10%, the first fruits of what he's given to us, we're going to give back to him because we recognize it comes from him. That's why it's so important. That's why we talk about it a lot is because it's important for us to be that type of people more important than your money is that attitude. Understand that, and I genuinely mean that. We can do a lot with the money that, that is given, that God has given us, and we can use it to do a lot of good things. I mentioned that last week, the difference that the community uh, is experiencing because of what this church does. But more than that, more than the money is your attitude that if everyone in this room is the type of person that understands that this is God's kingdom, man, God can do a lot more with that than any money that we can give. That's what we're looking for. And that's why it's important to tithe is to remember that, hey, God, you're first. This is your kingdom and I'm just here to tend it. And if you want to have that attitude, that first step to, to really going that, to that place and having that perspective that Paul had is to tithe. Now, Paul unpacks in verses 10 through 15 that it doesn't stop there. In fact, as God provides for us, we're recognizing that first error. God's providing for us, and then we be generous with others. And he's talking to the Corinthian church. He's telling them, you guys are already generous, and I'm proud of you. 
you're giving to others and it's making a difference. We mentioned this last week. It makes a literal difference. Like just giving money actually helps people. That's awesome. But more than that, there's this cycle that starts to repeat itself. As you bless others, as you give and you are generous, you bless other people's lives. And as you, you bless them, they will pray for you. That they will grow in their hearts and their love for you and pray for you. And it goes back to God saying, God bless these people. And so God will bless you. And its cycle repeats itself over and over. God blessing you, you being generous to others and then them praying for you and increasing this love. But it doesn't just stop there. It actually goes in reverse in the next slide. This is the way we really want it, right? This is how like, God bless others so that they bless me. And then I'll pray for them. Like that's, it seems a little easier. But this is how the cycle works. It goes both ways that as, as God is blessing others, they will turn to us and and I can prove this. Think in your life. I don't think I, you have to try very hard. Someone has blessed you. There's someone in your life that has blessed you. And you, you can think right now, oh, they're awesome. Pray for them. Pray for them. And, and you'll notice that as they've blessed you and as they've been generous with you and helped you in your life, that you have grown in affection and love for them. And, and it goes back and forth. And, and this cycle is an ever-repeating thing of what, what Paul is saying. Like this, this is the, the, the process of generosity. That as we give and are generous, as we recognize God's kingdom and we, and we give to each other and bless each other and pray for each other, we will continue to grow more and more generous. We will continue to see the world around us as God's kingdom and not ours. And because of that, we will be joyful and joyous like Paul be able to rejoice in all circumstances, no matter what we have. So this is the, the process that Paul unpacks for the Corinthians and says, hey, this is, this is how we can be generous. And this is how you can rejoice like me is, is by being this type of person that recognizes God's kingdom and does something about it and makes a difference in people's lives and is generous. We're not gonna stop there, however, though. However, though. It's important um, that we understand these things, but there's also a negative side, unfortunately. And so we're gonna unpack uh, what this looks like. There was, in fact, in the, in the Bible, there's a story uh, of a community of believers that actually got this and did it perfectly. That for a time uh, in history that there was Christians that, that formed a church and did this perfectly, were entire, completely generous, completely selfless. And we're going to see what happens to them in Acts chapter 4. In your notes, I, I, it was at 34, but I backed up to 32 because it's really good. So I'm going to back up to 32. The notes, the verses are on the screen. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in, all, in them all that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold, <laughs> or houses sold them, brought the money for the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone, anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So we see this community of believers. 
Some of you know your Bible and you're like, I know what's going to happen next. No spoilers. But we see this community that's being entirely generous. They recognize that this is God's kingdom, that what they have is not theirs, that it's God's. They've heard about the resurrection of Jesus. They've heard about the love that God has for us, that he sent his son down to die for us. And they're moved so much so that they're recognizing, you know, I gotta be a part of this. I gotta give everything to this. And that's exactly what they do. They give literally everything. And it's this awesome story in the, in the New Testament of this early church that is sold out all in for Jesus. But it, it's not like that anymore, at least here. We don't have that same kind of generosity. And to be honest with you, I think it'd be kind of weird. Like, <laughs> I read that, I'm like, oh, that's cool. But if I walked into a church and like, hey, give us everything you have, I'd be like, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Like that's, no, that's a weird thing, right? It's, it would seem strange to us because unfortunately we don't have this same level of trust and generosity that this early church moved by the spirit had. Ideally that's where we'd be at, but unfortunately we live in a sinful world and we're struggling through it. And that's why it's important for us to fight back with as much generosity as we can muster. Again, be thinking inwardly and thinking about how this is impacting you, how the Spirit is talking to you today. But that generosity and, 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 uh, that they had did come to an end, and there's a reason why, and we're going to read that together in chapter 5. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, Sapphira also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge... He keeps, keeps that in mind, that her, she, she knew. He kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you had, you, Ananias, got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the, Lord, the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door. They will carry you out also. Oof. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So this story, right? Ananias and Sapphira, many of you have heard it before. Uh, I, to be honest, I, I read this story and I feel like a bit of a failure. I'm a youth pastor and I lead young men and never have we buried any bodies. <laughs> it's the only recorded youth event in the Bible and I've never done it. It's on the dock for this year, Thad. I'm going to put in my budget for shovels. <laughs> yeah, so we got this story of 
Ananias and Sapphira. And they sell their land and then give a, probably a generous portion of that to God. And yet they die? What? Whoa, that's a big deal. Like they were probably giving more than 10%. They were probably giving more than you and I ever give and yet they die. Seems kind of harsh. But you see, there's an important thing that we learn from their story. It's this, tithe or die. No, <laughs> that's not what it is. Thad told me to get people to tithe. I, <laughs> that's how I wanted to do it. No, that's not what we learn. No, what we learn from this story, what we learn from Ananias and Sapphira is to be honest, to give in proportion to their faith. Peter says it to them, like, why? why? You sold the land. It was yours. You had the land. You, you didn't have to sell it, but you did. And then you didn't have to give the money to us, but you did. And then what you, this is where you went wrong. You, you were trying to be part of this all-in community, this body of believers that at this point is being entirely selfless and generous, that we are caring for each other, and you brought in with you some selfishness. You brought in with you some of your kingdom, saying this is yours. And because of that, God is not mocked. He knows. He knows what's going on. Because of that, the church has never been the same again. This is seen as like the second fall of man, that we had a perfect moment again where people are being generous and selfless towards each other and God's kingdom is reigning. Everyone is respecting him. And yet... Here comes these people with just a smidgen of selfishness, just holding back a little. And because of that, they break apart. This generosity is broken. And it's because of Ananias and Sapphira and them holding back, them looking out for their own kingdom, not respecting God. We're going to take communion, so if you guys want to pass that out. If you're new here with us, um, just so you know, we have an open table, which means... Everyone that believes in Jesus calls him their savior. You're welcome to take with us. Please just grab a cup and a, and a piece of bread and pass it along. And with that, I have a few questions that I want us to unpack together today. Remember, this is an introspective time. So what I want us to do is to be looking inwardly and, and be thinking about and asking these questions. Uh, you can go to your home groups or wherever you want, but just ponder these things as you look and think about the message this morning. First of all, how is God providing for you? This is an important question that we have to ask ourselves and look around. First and foremost, as you take the communion, recognize that that's one thing that you can always guarantee God has provided for you. He sent his son down to die for you. This is a guarantee, and it should be the top of your list. Jesus. That's one way that God has provided for you, and you should recognize that and remember that, that God has provided this, the sacrifice of his son. So we have that, but what else? Look at the world around you, the kingdom that God has, has put you in, and look how God is providing for you. And write a list. I, I, I genuinely, like, take the time at some point this week, maybe today, maybe right now, to just write down, how is God providing for you? And this is what I want you to notice. If you have a short list, I'm going to say something kind of bold. That's on you. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that because I, Paul, like if we're stuck in Paul's shoes, we're like, okay, that list is uh, a meal once a week. I don't know. Like, what am I going to write that's good on this list? Well, you and I could be in his shoes and not write yet. What, what would Paul write? He would write a plethora of things. When David is being chased by Saul and he has nothing, he has to sleep in caves because, and remember this, he was called by God to be king. It wasn't even his fault. God put him in this situation and now he's living his life on the run. Yet during that time, he's saying over and over again how great God is. Over and over again, these people in the Bible are writing long lists about how God is providing for them and how great God is and they have nothing so if you, when you start to write your list, how is God providing for you? And you come up with a short few things. It's because you're looking at your kingdom, not God's kingdom. Now, I don't say that to shame you. I, I am not Paul. <laughs> I do not stand on this stage thinking like Paul. My list is not nearly that long and my life is so much better than his. So I, I, I'm, I'm still in this process of learning and understanding that this is God's kingdom. Thankfully, anytime I start to stray from that, he brings me right back to it. Sometimes in a hard, tough way. But I, I have learned that this is God's kingdom. And as God breaks me into that mold and helps me understand that, my list gets longer, not shorter. It's funny how he takes things away from me and somehow I find that I'm more and more blessed. And it's because I'm recognizing more and more, this is God's kingdom, not mine. I'm here to tend, and my list gets longer and longer each year. So take that time, write down that list. How is God providing for you? And maybe do a cycle, see how that's growing. Maybe uh, every month or every year, look back and write the same list. How is God providing for you? Second question, does your generosity match your commitment to Christ? Remember, Ananias and Sapphira, it's not that they, they weren't generous or giving, it's that they were holding back and they were saying that they were part of this all-in community, that, hey, we're part of this, and yet they're lying. They're trying to deceive the apostles, they're trying to deceive God, and yet all they do is deceive themselves. Because they think, hell, I'm going to be part of this all-in community, but does your generosity match your commitment? And understand that this isn't like, oh, I say I have this much faith, but my generosity is here, so I better lower my faith. <laughs> no, that's not it. And same thing with, is my generosity up here, but my face down here? Don't, don't be like, all right, well, that means I should stop giving. No. We're trying to raise and elevate and become more and more of the people God has called us to be. So match your generosity with your commitment. If you believe that this is God's kingdom and you're not tithing, tithe. And then over and above that, understand that it's not just about money. It's not just about that. It's about how you live your life and how you're sacrificing every aspect. Paul, when he gets to the point that he's at, it's literally everything he has. He wants to hold nothing back from God to give it over to him. I hope someday that I can be like Paul in that vein. Last question that I have for us this morning. Are you uncomfortably generous? Here's what I notice. And I'm, again, speaking about myself because I'm doing this introspectively too. I seek comfort, comfort and comfortability more than I seek God. There are so many times in my life I think, man, I want to be comfortable. Even when I'm serving God, like, God, I want to serve you in ways I am comfortable. I want to be generous to you in ways I am comfortable. So I pray those things. Hey, God, help me do things that are easy for me. But that's not what he's called us to be. And understand, I'm not saying you have to live completely uncomfortable, but are you at least a little 
Are you doing something at least a little bit? To be honest with you, standing on this stage preaching is hard. It's hard. Uh, I love to teach. I love to preach the gospel. And this is one of my favorite things to do. But having 400 people tell me whether or not I did a good job is it's a little much for me. Please tell me I did a good job. <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's uncomfortable at times. But that's, that's, that's what God's called me to do. And what I've noticed in my life is when I start praying, hey, God, Help me be uncomfortable. Help me have an opportunity to be uncomfortable for you. When those opportunities arise, and God's very good about pointing it out to me, like, hey, you asked for this. He's very good at that. Remember? I think, oh, yeah. I'm excited to do this. I'm excited to be uncomfortable for my Savior. That's something that I'm recognizing that even though I may not be super excited about being uncomfortable, I'm excited to do it because this is God's kingdom and not mine. I'm excited to do it because I know that this is what he's called me to do and he was uncomfortable for me, so I'm gonna be uncomfortable for him. It's my opportunity to show that I, I, I have faith in him and I will be generous for him. Remember, the top of your list should be this should be on everyone's list. If you believe in Jesus and he died for you, this should be the top of your list, how God has provided for you. Let's remember that today. Jesus broke the bread, gave it to his disciples on his last night. Said, this is representing my body, which I'll break for you. Take and eat. Then he passed the cup, said to his disciples, this is my blood, which I will shed for you. Take and drink, everyone. God, We are yours. We offer ourselves up to you and ask that you help us tend the kingdom that you've put around us. We pray that each and every day as we live our lives that we can recognize more and more that this is yours and not ours. Help us see how you're providing for us and help us be generous with with what you've given us. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.